I call it the three keys to success in this business. Number one, marketing. Number two, automation. Number three, delegation. Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless and today's best ever guests as they share it with you. It's the best ever advice with none of the fluff. Let's go. Are you having a hard time finding great investment properties? Unfortunately, the best deals are rarely found locally. Successful investing begins with the right properties in the right markets. Norada Real Estate provides everything you need to invest in the best deals across the U.S. Our simple, proven system will help you create real wealth and passive monthly cash flow. Get your free copy of the ultimate guide to out-of-state real estate investing at noradarealestate.com slash guide. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com slash guide. Do you know how you can benefit from crowdfunding? If you haven't checked out our special series, Best Crowdfunding Crash Course Ever, presented by Patch of Land, then you need to. It's episodes 152, 159, 166, and 173, because you'll hear from the industry's leading crowdfunding experts on how you can benefit by getting involved, whether it's getting access to funds for your deal or passively investing in other people's deals. The time is now to get started. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever to grab your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-E-N-D.com forward slash best ever. Hi, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and I'm here with today's guest, Joe McCall. Hi, Joe. Hey, Joe. Nice name. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I wish I could take credit for it, but I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Joe is joining us from St. Louis, Missouri, where he is an active wholesaler and flipper, and he's active in about three to four different markets. He is also the host of a popular podcast called Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. He's wholesaled around 200 or so properties since 2009. And he recently took a trip for three months all across the U.S., a road trip with his family. And over that road trip, he wholesaled eight properties. So he has got the system down pat, and he's going to share his best ever advice with us. So before you do that, though, Joe, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? My pre-real estate days, I was a civil engineer. I went to school for engineering, so I'm kind of techy by nature. I like systems. I like technology. Sometimes that can be a detriment because <laughs> um, I try to get to too much of the details. And I think I've learned a lot over the years how to think bigger picture, how to think what's most important. And I'll talk about that here later. But um, So I was in civil engineering, always kind of wanted to work for myself. And it was in 2006 I started reading some books. And 2009, I finally quit my job and started working full-time as a wholesaler. And at the time, I was flipping a lot of lease options. I was doing what I call wholesaling lease options. And I still do some of that, but mostly now I flip, I just wholesale regular traditional wholesaling deals to investors. I think over the last two to three years, the market has changed. A lot of money's coming back in the market. Investors are starting to look for deals. And so I, I like to wholesale the fastest, quickest, easiest way possible. And in 2009, the fastest, easiest deals were lease option flips. Now, I think the fastest deals to flip are traditional wholesaling deals to landlords. So that's what I focus on. But occasionally, I'll still flip a lease option or two. Does that make sense? 
That does. Uh, can you give the best ever listeners a breakdown rather of a wholesale lease option? Who's involved? Who? How does each party benefit? And you know why do they do it? Yeah, it's it's still one of my favorite strategies, if not my favorite strategy, because there's so many leads that investors throw away because they don't have any equity, um, and the seller maybe is not drop dead motivated. You know, like they have to sell this thing today or they die or whatever. So I found I was throwing away a ton of leads when I was first getting started because they didn't have any equity or they weren't motivated enough. And I said to myself, why can't I flip these as lease options? I like lease options. A lease option is basically gives you, you lease a property for a couple of years and then you buy it. It's a lease with an option to buy it in the future. And it allows you to control property without owning it. And so I started asking myself, you know, why can't I wholesale lease options? I find all these properties that don't have any equity. They can't sell it to me at the price that I need to be at, 60, 70 cents on the dollar, but they're willing to lease it for a few years and then sell it. So I started tying them up on a lease option as if I was going to stay in the middle, like a sandwich lease option. And I just tie it up in a lease option. It gives me more options. And then if the numbers didn't work, which was most of the time, and the numbers to work, you know, I had to have at least two to 300 a month in cash flow and 20 to 30 grand in equity. And if I couldn't get those numbers, then I would just wholesale that lease option contract and I would sell that contract to a tenant buyer. So in regular wholesaling, you flip the contract to an investor. In wholesaling lease options, I'm flipping the contract to the tenant buyer and I'm collecting an assignment fee from the tenant buyer. And so I basically get a property under contract with the seller, with me as the tenant buyer, and then I sell that contract to the tenant buyer. Now it becomes a contract between the seller and the tenant buyer, and I'm out of the picture. Does that make sense? Yeah. And does the tenant buyer have incentive to purchase it because of maybe lack of good credit or low down payment available, something like that? Yeah. We only work with tenant buyers who have a realistic chance of getting a mortgage in six to 12 months. So they have to have good income. They have to be able to afford the house you know, nothing stupid on their credit report. And they just have, because there's millions of sellers out there who want to sell a house, but can't. And there's millions of buyers out there who want to buy a house, but can't. They just need a little bit of time. So it gives the tenant buyer time to rebuild their credit. Uh, They work with their mortgage brokers or with a credit repair company. And the seller gets a tenant in their property that's going to take better care of it than a regular tenant would, because this is not exactly a tenant. It's a buyer. It's somebody who wants to buy the house. So they have a lot more vested interest in the property. They're going to take better care of it because they're going to be living in it for a long time. So there's a lot of advantages to both sides uh, with the lease option. And does a portion of what they pay in rent go towards their payment whenever they purchase it? Yeah, we set it up. They're called rent credits and they're not significant. It's 100, 200 bucks a month. But That usually goes towards their closing costs or goes towards reducing the price of the home. They're basically seller concessions. So a rent credit will reduce the price of the home when they buy it in one or two years. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? Well, I I say this all the time. Anybody who's listened to our podcast, I'm a broken record. I, I say we are not in the real estate business. We are in the marketing business number one rule of of this business, because without marketing, you're dead. 
And if you don't have any leads, you're not doing any deals. Well, how do you get leads? You do marketing and you do a lot of it. So I think the most important part of a business plan, and I think the business plan is the marketing plan. So everybody who wants to invest in real estate needs to know their numbers. They need to know, all right, if I want to make you know 10 grand a month in real estate, I have to, you got to break down a marketing plan into goals you can control. You can't control doing, making 10 grand a month or doing two deals a month or you can't control that 30 leads equal one contract. But what you can control is how much marketing you're sending out every week, every day. And I love direct mail. I'm a huge fan of direct mail. It's been the most consistent, predictable avenue for getting leads. And so you need to know how many postcards do I have to send every week? How many letters do I need to send every day? Who am I sending the letters to? And and how often do I send them? So Having a marketing plan is super, super important. And related to that is you've got to be making offers. So you're not in the real estate business. You're in the marketing business and tied with that marketing. You're, you're getting the phone to ring. That's easy. A monkey can do that. But when those sellers call, you need to talk to them and you need to make offers and you need to follow up, consistently follow up. So I'm big on doing the marketing, talking to the sellers, keeping it real simple and making an offer to every single seller who calls. Every single seller who calls. I don't care if they tell you to pound sand, jump off a cliff, never call me again. You know, they want a hundred thousand and you're only going to offer fifty, send them an offer in the mail. And when you consistently do that, when you can send three to five offers a day, you're looking at what, a hundred to hundred and fifty offers a month. Do you think you cannot do deals if you're making a hundred to hundred and fifty offers? every day. I mean, every month. So it's a real simple business. You get the marketing plan, you build the systems in place. And, you know, I I call it the three keys to success in this business. Number one, marketing. Number two, automation. Number three, delegation. So sending out the marketing, getting the whole offer system. And by the way, it just takes a couple minutes to make an offer and send it in the mail. And I have a VA that does that for me. So doing the marketing, getting the systems in place where it can be automated and delegated out, that's the key to success in this business. And that's my advice. I think my best advice I can give to anybody. So many questions. And I've been, fortunately, I've been writing them down because I wouldn't be able to remember them if I, if, if I hadn't been writing them down. I have so many. This is great stuff. You said we're in the marketing business. You must have leads. And you mentioned direct mails being the most consistent and predictable way of, of getting those leads. Yeah. What's one tip of being effective with a direct mail piece? I mean, you, you mentioned consistency, but other than that, as far as the actual piece itself, do you have a tip? Yeah, man, ugly works best, right? Ugly yellow postcards, maybe ugly white postcards. So the thing, and I, this happened to me when I first got started, I, I looked at what the gurus were saying to mail. And I'd see what all the other investors are mailing. I thought, I'm not going to mail what everybody else is mailing. You know, so I tried to reinvent the wheel. And I tried to come up with my own postcard that I know would work better because I'm so experienced. You know, I've done so many deals, quote unquote. I know what works best. Well, you know what? There's a reason why those gurus tell you to send those ugly yellow postcards because they work. Guess what? And I've tested this over and over and over again. Uh, the, the ugly yellow personalized postcards work best. I've tried the glossy photo ones, the ones that realtors send. I've tried the ones that look cute. Um, they just do not pull as well. And so, you know, ugly yellow personalized postcards, just a real simple message. In fact, my one of the postcards I'm starting to test now are handwritten postcards. Um, 
And it's so the key to it is just sticking with what works. And it wasn't until I didn't start having success until I said I, I had a, I bought a couple courses. I'm a big fan of education. I bought a couple courses and I said, doggone it, I'm going to stop farting around and I'm going to stop being a sissy. I, I didn't use those words. And I'm going to just do what these guys say without questioning it, without changing anything. I'm just going to do what they say and see if it works. And sure enough, guess what? It worked. It worked. I started getting calls, started getting motivated sellers. I thought, how would anybody, this stuff is obnoxious. I don't look professional sending this stuff, but you know what? It works. So the same with ugly uh, handwritten bandit signs, you know, that stuff works. You said you have a VA that makes three to five offers a day for you. How did you hire, what, what site did you use to hire this VA and how did you become, get to a level of comfort with the VA where they're able to do this? I find VAs through two of my favorite sources are odesk.com. And it's important with Odesk that you understand you're looking for a project-based assistant, you know, a a part-time virtual assistant. I found good full-time VAs, but that may not be the best place to go for a full-time dedicated VA. The reason why is so many of those VAs are working for a lot of other people. If you want a full-time dedicated VA, you can find a great one at virtualstafffinder.com. There's a great podcast out there from uh, a guy named Chris Ducker. And I don't have any business relationship with him at all, but he's been in the business for a long time. And if you just go to iTunes to search for Chris Ducker, you'll see his stuff. But he has a service called virtualstafffinder.com, and you can find good full-time VAs for 500 bucks a month. They will pre-screen the VAs for you. They have a finder's fee of 500 bucks. They'll pre-screen. They're good general VAs. They're not going to be the VAs that you can get on the phone and make phone calls for you, most likely. But you can talk to them. They're just going to have an Asian accent, a Filipino accent. So I find my, typically my VA is on Odesk or virtualstafffinder.com. And when it comes to making offers, I mean, it sounds a little intimidating at first, but here's the thing. If it's, when you're making a lot of offers, it's okay to be close enough. So don't spend, the worst thing you could do is spend like 30 minutes to an hour evaluating the deal, looking at comps, estimating repairs, figuring the ARV, and then making an offer. Um, just get it ballpark. You know, use rules of thumb, use round numbers. Just send the offer in the mail. It's like throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks. And what I do is I have a simple spreadsheet. I put in two numbers, three maybe. The Zillow value, what the rent is, what the rent would be, and the square foot, square footage. Okay, four numbers. And <laughs> and I use for repairs, I use three things. I use if, if the seller says it doesn't need any work, I do $5 a square foot. And then again, remember, I'm, I'm wholesaling mostly rental properties to landlords. So we're getting these rent ready, okay? They're, these are not retail rehabs. So $5 if the seller says it doesn't need any work. $10 if the seller says it needs a little bit of work. And $15 a square foot if the seller says it needs a lot of work. Simple as that, right? So if it's a 1,000 square foot rental I'm putting in, and, and they say it needs a lot of work, I'm doing 15 bucks a square foot. So that's $15,000 for repairs, all right? So I have a, I have a simple spreadsheet. Um, my I, I put in the numbers in there, or I have my VA do it, and it spits out three different offers. It spits out a cash offer. It spits out a seller financing offer with interest-only payments, and it spits out a seller financing offer with principal-only payments. And it just sends a simple letter of intent to the seller 
And I send that to every seller who calls. Every seller I call gets an offer. And the letter basically says, you know, look, it was good talking to you earlier today about your house at 123 Main Street. I understand, you know, now may not be a good time for you to sell the house, but I'm still really interested. And if circumstances change, give me a call, you know, attached as a simple letter of intent or with some options on it or something like that. And we mail it to them. They may hold on to it for a couple months. You know, I've had sellers call me back a year after I first contacted them. And they would say things like, you remember we talked, you know, a year ago about my house? Of course, no. But then, you know, so getting them something in the mail that they can hold on to is really, really important. Because your competition is not doing that. And it's something that, you know, sometimes sellers just need time to cook. No, a lot of times means not yet. You know, they maybe have it listed. They're going to give the realtor a shot. They just maybe put a new tenant in there and they're going to see how this new tenant works out. But you know what? Guess what? That tenant stops paying the rent. That tenant starts calling them every day with something new that needs to be fixed. Maybe they have a death in the family or sickness in the family. They're going to become motivated and they're going to remember you because you've been following up with them ever since you talked to them, you've been sending them things in the mail. And so I know I'm covering a lot of stuff here, but uh, I'm, I'm big on the philosophy of no lead left behind. Every lead that comes in gets followed up. And it's important to have good systems in place to, to follow up with those leads, to, to send them offers in the mail. And if you get the VAs, this is, is if you got a good VA that's reliable, that's all you need. Because this, I, I create really clear, simple systems for my VAs to follow. You said in the eval spreadsheet, it's Zillow value, what the rent would be, square footage, and what else? Um, my, my repair estimate. Oh, and the repair estimate. Got it. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Oh, yeah. First, a quick word from our sponsors. Crowdfunding. You've heard about it, and now it's time to learn about it. Our best ever sponsor, Patch of Land, is a leading expert in the crowdfunding space, and they've got all the answers to your crowdfunding questions. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and grab your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-E-N-D dot com forward slash best ever. Best ever book you've read. Pumpkin Plan. And related to that would be The One Thing. Both books I've heard a lot about. Actually just uh, interviewed Jay, the author, co-author of The One Thing. The Pumpkin Plan. Can you talk a little bit about that? I've heard about it from the show. I, I just can't remember what it's about. You know, it's crazy. It's about how to grow prize-winning pumpkins. <laughs> like those giant pumpkins that really win these uh, state fairs and stuff. No, it's, it's, it relates that to business. So um, we all chase, we all have shiny objects. And, I mean, I, I do. And I'm always chasing after new things. And we're an entrepreneur, right? So it's, it's a struggle to focus. And when, when a pumpkin farmer plants his pumpkin seeds, and you know, he'll spend like $1,000 for each of these seeds, you know. And there's like one guy up in New England somewhere that everybody buys their pumpkin seeds from. And they plant the seed, and it grows, and it grows the vines out, you know. And it, it'll have several different pumpkins. Well, they, they look to see as the pumpkins grow, which ones are the best, have the most, look the most promising. And they cut off all of the other branches to the other pumpkins and they focus all of their efforts on that one pumpkin they 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 give it the right nutrients the right water the right sunlight and they just nurture that one pumpkin and it grows and grows and grows into the big giant pumpkin that wins the competition so the point is of the book what is your what is your sweet spot what is your one pumpkin that you need to be focusing on in your business and one of the big takeaways i got out of it was 
finding your sweet spot. Now, finding your sweet spot is a combination of three things. One, what is your unique, what, what is that, whatever you're offering in your business, what is it that's unique that sets you apart from everybody else? And then the second thing is what can be automated or systemized, okay? Um, wh- what is it that is unique that only you can offer? What can be automated and systemized? And then who are, who are your best customers? And if you can combine those three things, your best customer, your unique product and service, and if it, is it automated or automatable, then that's your sweet spot. And so everybody needs to look at that in their business, in their wholesaling business, in their investing business, property management business, whatever it is, and ask themselves those questions and then just start eliminating everything else and just start focusing on that. And that's, you know, that's something I'm challenged with all the time, but I think that is really important. Best ever personal growth experience and what you learned from it. Well, you know, I was thinking of two things. Um, When the economy crashed, I, you know, I was... I, I was hurting. It took me a couple years to uh, get out, dig myself out of that hole. And in some ways, I'm still digging myself out of that hole. Um, I never walked away from any. I had a private, I had a ton of private money um, borrowed on some deals. I never walked away from any of my lenders. Still paying some of them back. I got maybe one, one or two left. Uh, so yeah, that I was making a lot of stupid mistakes before the economy crashed, and I was counting on appreciation. Right, I was I was forgetting the fundamentals, cash flow, the importance of the numbers. You know, I was just fig- counting on appreciation. Prices always go up; they never go down. Right, so that was um, that that was a big personal growth time for me. I mean, I there I, I was there were times when I just wanted to give up and declare bankruptcy and you know for, forget it all. But it, it was a lot of people I know were hurt with the economy crash, and it, you can't. Don't blame it on the banks. Don't blame it on the federal government and how easy it was to get loans. I mean, it was our own fault. We we are to blame for that. And so if investors would have been smart and stuck with the fundamentals and, and not count on appreciation, then we would have avoided this complete mess. I would have avoided you know, that entire mess. Does that make sense? Best ever success habit you practice. Man, I love getting up early and reading. Um, I wish I could exercise more in the morning, but I'm getting there, right? I. I love getting up early, reading. It's kind of, I have four kids, so it's it's the best time of the day to kind of chill and relax and focus. Best ever deal you've done? You know, my last two, I was thinking about this. Um, kind of the deals that I do now, I, I partner with other wholesalers in other markets. And so I partner with, uh, I'm partnering with a wholesaler in, the, in a market in Tennessee. And I, so basically... I do the marketing. I have my team pre-screen the leads and set up the the systems and send the leads to the investor. And we split the deals, split the deals 50-50. And so just in the last couple of weeks, I've got two checks from the guy, one for about $10,500, the other one for about $2,900. And I didn't know a thing about the deal. <laughs> I mean, I didn't. I'd never talked to the seller, didn't ever see the house, never talked to the buyers. I just did the marketing. I set up the systems and my wholesaler took those pre-screened leads, got it under contract and flipped it to their buyers. And uh, I I love those kinds of deals. I'm doing that in about two to three different markets right now. Best ever project you're most excited about right now? I got two. My podcast, Real Estate Investing Mastery, and we travel a lot. You know, we took that trip 
for two or three months this last summer around the northwestern part of the United States, went to like 11 different national parks. We homeschool our kids, you know. Um, and this summer we're going to be going to Prague, Czech Republic, for about three to six months, we don't know yet, this summer. And I'm looking forward to that. We've been there before. A couple years ago we went for a couple months. And I, I love the freedom that this business gives you. We homeschool our kids, so it makes it real easy. We have the flexibility. You can travel like that. And I can run my business anywhere I have internet connection, right? So it's it's pretty awesome. Best ever way you like to give back? Uh, you know, our church has... We go to a great church here in St. Louis. If anybody is in the area, St. Louis Family Church, it's it's a cool church. We like it a lot. We've been going there for a while. They do a summer kids camp that is is just amazing. They'll have about 6,000 kids there this summer. It's a two-week camp, like a vacation Bible school. I love volunteering for that. I, I always take the two weeks and, and help with that volunteer. Best ever quote? I got a couple of them, but... I think always been my favorite is it's from a guy named Jim Elliott. He was a, a Christian who was killed in South America, and I forget which country it was. Maybe it wasn't even South America. Maybe it was New Guinea. <laughs> I don't remember. But his quote is this, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And I love that quote because it's not what you collect and it's not what you take and what you collect when you leave it's it's what you leave behind you when you go and you know I don't I I think it's real important for me my values I really want to leave a legacy I want to make a difference in the world right and for my kids for my family uh, for students that I help coach I, I, I love coaching and, and teaching this business to folks and I like contributing back to you know the community, and um, you know being a being a good being a good Christian. What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? Yeah, that came real quickly to me. I was looking at the questions. There's a deal I did just about 20, 30 minutes from my house, and um, it was one of those deals I bought right at the height of the market. It had no equity well, at the time. I thought it did because <laughs> um, I was looking at the. I wasn't looking at the. I was looking at comps, but I was. You know, being, I was looking at the upper end comps, not the realistic comps. And I was counting on appreciation because in the past, you know, properties in this area have been appreciating 6% a year and real estate never goes down, right? So I bought this property and I kind of overlooked some of the weird oddities about the property. Um, you know, it wasn't in the best neighborhood. The neighbors weren't the best kind of neighbors. But you know what? This is a safe bet because real estate always goes up. I, I didn't have a worst case scenario, bought this property without much equity, and then the market tanked. And because it wasn't the best neighborhood, I had a hard time finding tenants. Um, when I finally found a tenant, I just took the first person that could fog a mirror, didn't even do a criminal background check, you know, because I just, they had the money, they had the house. And so I just had one problem tenant after another. I had the hardest time selling it just a disaster and yeah you know you could blame the market because the economy crashed you know the value of the house dropped about 30 40 percent but it just wasn't a good house to be to buy in the first place even if the market was continuing to appreciate the fundamentals weren't there the numbers weren't there it did not cash flow well enough um it, it wasn't a great location and it was just an odd property that i should have never bought <laughs> 
What's the best ever place to reach you? I'll give you two websites, joemccall.com, J-O-E-M-C-C-A-L-L.com, joemccall.com, or my podcast. If you just go, just Google realestateinvestingmastery.com or look up the Real Estate Investing Mastery podcast in iTunes or whatever you're using, uh, we put about one or two podcasts out a week. I really enjoy doing that. It's a lot of fun. And those two websites, you can see how to how to contact me. Joe, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your best ever advice with the best ever listeners and talking about wholesale lease options and wholesaling in general and you know the pros and cons of those lease options. And then you know us being in the marketing business and we have to have leads and then talking through you know some examples of, of tips of how to be effective in direct mail, be consistent, be predictable. The uglier, the better seems to work for you, it sounds like, and, and not trying to recreate the wheel as, as you did at the very beginning, but really just following the well-worn path for what's been proven to be effective with direct mail, with the specifically the ugly, ugly yellow letter and the postcard. And you mentioned you're testing out some, some new things now, but perhaps you'll, you'll go back to what, what's consistently worked with you. And then also, you know, talking about virtual assistants, you know, you gave a couple really good resources with virtualstafffinder.com and odesk.com. And I actually have a couple virtual assistants from Odesk and that could be another topic for another, another show, but I would recommend Odesk, but there, there's certainly some, some things that, you know, we, we have to, we, that I've learned throughout the process by, you know, working with the virtual assistants and, you know, talking through what you look for when you make offers on deals from the Zillow value to uh, number two is what the rent would be. Three is square footage and four is the cost of repairs. And it's a very simple formula and it needs to be because you're automating that process and delegating it out to other people so that you can spend your time growing the business from a high level and you're not working in the business, you're working on the business, as, as they say. And you know, one of the interesting things that you mentioned that I wrote down is you mail out the offer to everybody that speaks to a representative from your company and that's just really interesting. I haven't heard that before. And it, it makes a whole lot of sense because they do have something tangible they can go back and reference because so often I hear it's not about the first touch that you have with a potential seller. It's about the consistency that you have with them and following up. Well, this is a follow-up that is always present regardless of if you're reaching out to him or her or not because it's there on their dinner table or there in their desk. So that's really interesting. I'm going to leave it on this. And this comes from your best ever quote. I love, you know, the, the approach of it's not what you collect when you're here. Rather, it's what you leave behind when you go. I mean, just, just profound stuff. So thank you so much for being on the show, sharing your best ever advice. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Joe. Hey, you, best ever listener. Do you want more? Then go to joefairless.com, where you'll get tons of free videos, templates, and content to help you get deals done. And remember to subscribe to the best ever show in iTunes, so you can keep getting your daily dose of the best real estate investing advice ever.